All right. Uh, so today we're beginning a brand new series called Puzzled because sometimes uh, things aren't exactly the way that we think they are. Sometimes things in life just don't seem what they are. Have you ever noticed that before? That sometimes in life, when you first look at them, you're like, oh, well, it wasn't really that. It doesn't necessarily seem what we think they are. Um, uh, A couple of weeks ago, we had a a dinner at church. And uh, during the dinner, we were going to have a worship time. And Caleb was going to lead us in a couple of worship songs. And in the middle of all of that, uh, he wasn't feeling very well uh, that particular morning. And so uh, I knew I had to have a plan B. And so I reached out uh, to my good buddy, Chuck Mock, who's one of our elders, who's a great musician. And he often helps uh, kind of lead uh, when uh, Caleb is gone or he doesn't, uh, you know, uh, isn't feeling well and he'll lead worship. And so I reached out to him, and I sent this text to him. Um, I asked him, I said, Caleb isn't feeling well. If he can't go, could you lead worship for the dinner tonight? And Chuck responded this way. He said, I'm in asphalt class all day. Now, that might not seem very strange to you, but it was strange to me because he does nothing with asphalt whatsoever. Um, He actually owns a heating and cooling business. And so this made no sense to me at all. But Chuck's kind of a strange dude. And so I thought to myself, well, you know, maybe he just got confused. So I went ahead and I asked him, so it's a no. To which he said, I can't. Now, as an elder of the church, I thought to myself, you know what? Uh, He really isn't stepping up like he should. Like, as a leader of the church, he should have done this. But then I thought, well, you know, maybe, just maybe, uh, he wasn't able to come to the dinner at all, and that's why he couldn't come. But then he showed up for the dinner. He ate himself full. I saw him actually have two plates. And he wasn't going to play. And so I was a little bit ticked off. Everything worked out because Caleb was able to play, but I was discouraged with Chuck. And then that next morning, we had an elders meeting, and I had told him that night, I said, hey, I sent you a text. He said, no, I didn't get it. I was like, Chuck, come on, like, look at it. He goes, I just did. And it was like six in the morning for our meeting. So I was like, well, maybe he's tired. And he is getting old. Um, he recently applied for his AARP card. You know, he's 50 years old. And I thought to myself, you know, he must be clueless. And uh, I said, Chuck, let me show you exactly where I sent it. And I pulled up my phone and I looked down to his name And I couldn't find it. And then all of a sudden, I typed in the word asphalt, and I had sent it to a different Chuck. (laughs) But that Chuck had responded with all of that. And then finally, I found out, oh my goodness, this is the Chuck that I've been trying to reach out to, a young guy in his 20s who works with asphalt, and now all of a sudden, he's never going to come to church or be willing to do anything. Because I just told him, you've got to learn to play the guitar if you're going to love Jesus. (laughs) And so in the midst of all of that, I finally realized, if he doesn't get to heaven, guess whose fault it is? Clueless pastor, right? Like, clueless pastor. Folks, things aren't always the way that they seem. 
In fact, sometimes things can keep us quite puzzled, can't they? Now, on this table to the right of me is a uh, puzzle. And uh, with this puzzle, uh, people tend to solve puzzles in very different ways. Now, some people are color sorters, right? Like they sort all the colors. How many of you are color sorters when you start to solve a puzzle? Raise your hand. Everybody on the stream, it's more fun if you join us. Uh, Raise your hand as well, okay? And what they'll do is they'll take the blues and they'll put the blues in one place and they'll put the uh, for the sky and the greens for the grass somewhere and the purple for the flowers, and they do that. Now, other people are like, no, 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 no. I don't do that at all. I do the frame. I actually do the border of this whole puzzle. Now, how many of you do the border first? Your border people. Okay, all of you, all of you on the stream, join us as well. Now, some of you are like this. You're sitting there right now and you're like, puzzles? Who would spend their time, quality time, to do a jigsaw puzzle? That's, that's stupid. Like, I'm going to go watch the game. I'm going to go do HGTV. And, uh, you know... Have you ever had the experience, though, where you get a piece of the puzzle and you think to yourself, oh, it's got to fit like right there. It's got to fit in that place and it's not fitting. And you look at it and you're like, I bet they messed it up. (laughs) Like, I bet they put it on the wrong side or something like that. So you put it in and you're like trying to force it and it just won't go. And then finally, you've just kind of had it and you kind of do this. you, You just go like that, you know. And you try to make it fit in there. Now, uh, when it comes to puzzles also, uh, we have a tendency to look at a puzzle and think that we can do it all without ever looking at this. And the box top, though, is like really important if you're ever going to complete a puzzle. Now, the problem in life is, folks, is that we don't get to see this. Only God has this. What we have are all of these pieces of the puzzle. But only God has this. And the reality is that for you and I, When it comes to puzzles, it's kind of a metaphor for our life. And many times, we just have a bunch of these that we're trying to make sense of, but we can't do it on our own. And it leaves us a little bit puzzled. So, this morning, what I'd like us to do is look at a scripture that will help us to understand when there are puzzled things in our life, to help us when you and I are puzzled. Now, our scripture verse for this series, for the next couple of weeks, is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 12. And um, Corinthians was written by a guy by the name of Paul, who wrote close to half of the New Testament. And he writes to this church, and this is what he says. He says... Now, everybody, now, no, it doesn't say that. It says now, so everybody join with me, say now, now. 
we see things imperfectly like puzzling reflections in a mirror. But then, everybody say then. Then we will see everything with perfect clarity. All that I know now is partial and incomplete, but then I will know everything completely just as God knows us completely. We have a now. In other words, it's the present time. What you're dealing with in your life right now, we have a now and we're looking forward to a then. Then we're going to be able to see everything clearly. But right now, all we have is the now. It's kind of like this little puzzle piece right here. This represents your now. This is what you're dealing with in the moment right now. And we get these pieces uh, sometimes, and we're just not really sure what to do with them. For example, let's say that this piece right here might be that you lost your job. You lost your job and you just can't believe it because you thought you were going to have this job forever. It was going to take you into the stratosphere. It was going to take care of all of your finances and your family. And now all of a sudden you have this and it's your job, but it's no longer there. And you're like, why? Why is this happening? I don't understand it. Let's say this piece right here represents your health. And for yourself, you're like, I'm going to be healthy forever. I'm I'm always going to have good health. And then you go to the doctor one day and you find out that you have cancer. And you're living in the now. And this is what you're dealing with. And you're like, I just don't get this. I don't understand it. Let's say there's another piece here that looks like this. And this is your marriage. And the reality is that your marriage right now is very rocky. That it's, you know, just kind of barely making it. Or maybe you went through the pain of a divorce. And this is what your now is, but you're not liking it at all. In fact, you hate it. You just don't understand it What? So ever. You see, folks, this is your now. This is what you're experiencing. But what you're waiting for is the then. I don't see it right now, but I don't get it. And the only thing I'm experiencing is my now. But there is a then that we experience. And this challenge between the now and the then, what happens is it brings about a great tension within each of our lives. And it kind of leads us to our big question this morning. This is your first fill-in, and it's this. How do we live in the now trusting God for the then? How do we actually learn to live in the now trusting God for the then? Because only he fully sees the box top. Well, to kind of answer this question this morning, I want us to look at a story in Matthew chapter 11. And Matthew is the first book of the New Testament, uh, the second half of the Bible. And Matthew was one of Jesus' disciples. And he actually wrote stories of Jesus. And this is one that he writes in chapter 11, starting in verse 2. It says this, When John, who was in prison... 
Now, what's really important is to try to figure out which John is he talking about? Because there's a lot of Johns in the Bible. Well, this particular John was his cousin, his second cousin. Jesus' mom and John's mom were first cousins and they were second cousins. So they knew each other. They had grown up together in this culture. They would have been best of buddies. They would have known one another. Also, we know that prophetically, 700 years before this, there was this uh, prophecy that came that said that there would be one who was preparing a way for the Messiah. There would be a person who came before the Messiah came, before Jesus came, and that was John the Baptist. And he was an amazing communicator. And John starts his ministry, and there are hundreds and thousands of people following him. And he has disciples, and all is going well. And finally, Jesus is called by his father to start his ministry. And he goes to John, and he tells him, John, you've got to baptize me. And John's like, no way. You're going to be the Messiah. You're going to be the one. I'm not even worthy to untie your sandals. And Jesus is like, no, you need to baptize me. And so Jesus comes to the Jordan River and the scripture says this. When Jesus got into the water, a voice from heaven, God's voice says, this is my son whom I love with whom I am well pleased. And at that moment, Jesus' public ministry starts and people are gathering him And John drifts off, and there's no story really about him until we get to this one. He just kind of drifts off into the sunset. So this is the John who is in prison, and we read it in verse 2. It says this, John heard about the deeds of the Messiah, being Jesus' cousin, and he sent the disciples to ask him, Are you the one who is to come, or should we expect someone else. Now, when you read that, what you should be asking in your mind right now is a question, and it's this question. Say, what? Like, what are you talking about, John? Has he lost it? This is your cousin. You know exactly who he is. He's the one that they've been waiting for. What are you talking about? It's Jesus. What's going on here? Well, what's going on here is that John got a piece of a puzzle that he didn't like. And now he's in prison. And he's not happy about it at all. And he's like, I'm starting to doubt this Jesus because... He's out doing all of these wonderful things. No one's even talking to me. And I'm sitting here in a prison cell and this is my now. And I don't see any then. I'm in prison and I'm just not sure if this is the one. Because if it was, he should have got me out. The text goes on to say... Are you the one, the Messiah, who is to come, or should we expect someone else? Are you the one, or should we expect someone else? You know, if we're being real folks here this morning and on the stream, every single one of us has had a moment like that, right? Where we're kind of like, God, why is this happening to me? 
God, why am I experiencing this now in this moment? I'm in the now and it just doesn't make any sense whatsoever. And this is where John is at. And John the Baptist goes ahead and he sends his disciples and he says, go to Jesus and say, hey, are y'all, are you the one to actually be the Messiah? Y'all go ask them, are you the one who is the Messiah? Or are we supposed to be waiting for somebody else? Well, John's disciples go, and this is Jesus's response. This is how he replies. He says, go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Now, if it ended right there, you're like, this puzzle is amazing. I mean, I'm like the puzzle ninja now. I mean, like everything's going well. It's like the deaf are hearing, the blind are seeing, the lame are walking again. I get it. I'm understanding now what's going on. But the problem is that's not what happens in this story. Verse 6 comes and we experience what is often called a theological hiccup. It's a theological hiccup. Because as you're reading this story, you're like, oh, Jesus is going to come now and everything is going to be taken care of. And Jesus tells John's disciples, go back and tell John everything that you see. And then here's the theological hiccup. Jesus says this, blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. Now, what the heck is that about? I mean, don't you realize this is your cousin, the person you've been waiting for? Why don't you go and blow open the jail cell and release him? And yet this is what Jesus is kind of saying to John. John, I am the Messiah. The one who causes the blind to see, the one who causes the deaf to hear, the one that causes the lame to walk. And you know what, John? I'm also the Messiah when you're in prison and you're not going to get out and you're actually going to die there. You see, John, there's a lot of amazing things that are happening I mean, all kinds of stuff is happening while you're in prison and all of these miracles. But this is what I need you to know. That my sovereignty is not based upon your circumstances. My sovereignty is not based upon your circumstances. And for you and me, one of the struggles that we have is that sometimes we get pieces in our life that we don't understand. And God, why is this happening? And what you have to realize, folks, is that his sovereignty is not based upon your circumstance. And basically, what Jesus is trying to tell John is John, here's the deal. 
I know you don't like the now. I know you hate the now. But I want you to know there's something that we're working together for good. If you'll just hang in there. I know you don't understand the peace that you're dealing with right now, but you don't see the full picture. You don't see everything right now, but I do. And I'm putting all of the things together in your life to help you to see a then that you just can't see now. Because the reality is it was his cousin. And Jesus loved him greatly. But there was a plan that was greater than his own, but he wanted everybody to know. In verse 11, he says these words, Truly I tell you, among those born of women, which is all of us, there has not risen anyone greater than who? John the Baptist. Jesus honors him to say he's the greatest human being who's ever walked. Jesus loved John. He affirms him even in his doubts. You know, Jesus understands, folks, the tension between the now and the then. But he chooses to love John through it. And folks, I want you to know that God is big enough for your questions. He's big enough for your doubts. He's big enough for your anger. He's big enough for your whining. He's big enough for your temper tantrums. God is big enough to handle anything that you bring to him in the now. So how do we live in the now and trust God for the then? Well, that's the big question, and we have to have a big answer. And here is the big answer. This is your next fill-in. In the doubts of today, we trust him in his tomorrows. When we're doubting in the now, when we're doubting today, we still trust in his tomorrows. In the doubts of today, we trust in his tomorrows. In the doubts, what are the doubts? The doubts are the now. It's the peace that we don't get, that we don't understand. This is the now, but we're trusting him in the tomorrows, the then that is coming. Jeremiah 29, 11. Some of you should try to memorize that this week. It says this, For I know the plans that I have you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not harm you, to give you a hope and a future. Folks, that's the good news. That's the very good news. You will not stay in the now forever. God's got something bigger and better that he's doing. He's got some great plans. You just can't see it all now. Now, it feels a little bit puzzling, though, because many times when God is kind of working out our then, we're struggling because we don't understand all of the nows. But, folks, this is what you need to know. Our faith in God is not in the outcomes that we want. Our faith is in God not in the outcomes that we want. Your faith, my faith, is always in God, not necessarily in the outcomes that we want. Let me give you an example. 
let's say you go to the doctor and the doctor uh, tells you, hey, I'm sorry, but you have cancer and it's terminal and we think you only have maybe a month to live. But let's say that a couple days after that, you're praying and you actually maybe even hear God audibly speak to you. It's going to be all right. It's going to be all right. What do you think? I'll tell you what I think. I think I'm healed. All is going to be great. I don't care what the doctors say. I don't care what the PET scan reveals. I don't care. I'm healed. But that's not what God really said. He didn't say you were healed. He said it's going to be all right. And sometimes what we say, no, no, no. For it to be all right, it means you're going to have to heal me, God. And God says, no, no, no. That's not what I said. You see, God's sovereignty, folks, is not based upon our conditions, on our circumstances, and where we find ourselves. Because in the doubts of today, those puzzling moments, we trust in his tomorrows. My uncle uh, Phil was uh, one of the biggest rednecks I've ever known in my life. I mean, this guy, he had some racist tones to him, and he was a big, you know, a truck person, and he didn't like a lot of people, and he didn't have very many friends. And in the 1980s, he was tired of GM, and so he retired, and he moved down to Florida. Uh, and during that time, every single year, we would go and visit him, and he and I began a relationship, and we really learned to love each other, and he softened his heart a lot, and things uh, really changed in his life. And he's one of the people that is one of the uh, favorite people of my life. I love my Uncle Phil. And in 2008, his, uh, he had a stroke, and the left side of his body was paralyzed. And as a family, we prayed, and we asked God to uh, bring healing, and we prayed for two years. And actually, those prayers were never answered the way that we wanted. And he actually was diagnosed with lung cancer on top of this. And in 2010, his health deteriorated really, really bad in January. And my parents went down to kind of help him. And I got a phone call from my dad that just said, if you want to see your uncle, um, you really need to fly down here. We're not sure it's going to, to happen, that he's going to make it. And so immediately I went down to Indy Airport, I got on a plane, I flew to Orlando, and when I was on the plane, I said, God, please, please, just extend his life enough so that I could see him face to face one more time. And I was confident God was going to answer this and thinking about medicine and everything that they can do. And I landed in Orlando and uh, my phone was off. And so I turned my phone on and within a matter of seconds, my dad called and he said, Chris, your uncle's already died. And because of his wishes, he doesn't want anyone to see him. And he's already been taken to the crematorium and he's going to be cremated. And that was it. 
I remember not even going to the hospital, but just going directly to his house. And it was the first time I'd ever been in his house when he wasn't there. And it was silent and it was somber. My parents really didn't talk that much and they had been in the guest bedroom and there was no else, no other place for me to sleep except in his bed. And I remember laying in his bed and I could smell my uncle and I could see all the pictures around. And I saw one picture of he and myself. And I lost it. And I remember crying through that night. Folks, there's no 50 people came to Jesus and all that kind of stuff. He just died. And I never saw him again. Folks, I don't understand that. But this is what I do understand. That God is still good. And even though sometimes I get a piece of the puzzle of life in the now that I do not like, I do not want, it is something that I would not have given anyone else, and why is it falling on my plate? I'm reminded that I haven't seen the then, and that God is causing all things to work together for good, And he's putting pieces in the puzzle that I don't even understand or comprehend or can resonate with. But he's working in the then even though I can't see it in the now. Folks, some of you are holding a piece of the puzzle of the now right now in your life. And you're like, I don't get it. I don't understand it. And we hate some of the pieces of the puzzles of our life. And today, what I want you to know, that whatever you're going through, God holds the box top. And your story, wherever it's at, whatever pain and hurt you're experiencing right now, you are not done. There are more pieces that God is putting together. And he is working all the pieces together, all of them for your good because he loves you and he is with you and he is for you and he will never walk away from you. So how do we live in the now by trusting God for the then? Well, we choose to say that even in the doubts of today, We will trust him in the tomorrows. Let's pray. Loving Father, thank you so much for reminding us that you are always with us. You're always for us. That even when we don't understand the now, You are with us and you are preparing a better then than we can see. 
Maybe today for some of you, the reality is you have one piece of the puzzle right now that you're struggling with. You're puzzled by it. It's tough. It's difficult. You're wondering, how am I going to make it through this? God, where are you right now? This is so difficult. And no one's looking around. Everyone's eyes kind of closed and head bowed. But if you're dealing with something right now, in the now, that's difficult, I just want to invite you to raise your hand, everybody on the stream as well. I just want to pray for you. Let's pray. God, I pray right now for each person with a raised hand. God, they don't understand exactly what it is they're going through. But God, you're there and you never leave them. You never walk away. Right now, God, I pray that you would move in their life. Let them know that they are not alone and that whatever that puzzle piece is right now that is difficult and a struggle, that you are working on a box top that is going to be better than where they're at in the now. You're preparing them for a then. God, give them comfort, give them strength, Remind them that you are with them and for them and that you never walk away. And I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. You can put your hands down. You know, today for some of you, maybe the reality is for you, you've never given any pieces of the puzzle of your life to God. You've just always kind of been there trying to force things in, trying to figure it out, kind of like I did. You know, you're just trying to force it. And yet the reality is, is that you've never said, here's the the pieces of the puzzle. I give them all to you, God. You put them together. Here's my life. You put it together. But today, as... Maybe the spirit spoke to you. You're like, I need to do that. I need to give all the pieces of the puzzle of my life to God for him to put it together. And if you're ready to do that, the way you do that is by giving your life to Jesus himself. And you say, I need you. I need your love. I need your grace. I need your forgiveness. And it's as simple as a prayer of saying, Jesus, come into my life and take the pieces of the puzzle and put it together together your way and I'll follow your box top and so if you're there right now I'm going to invite you in a prayer and it's not a prayer that you pray by yourself but it's one that we pray in community and I invite you to simply repeat this prayer after me heavenly father I give my life to you Jesus forgive me make me brand new I believe you died and rose again so I could live with you. Fill me with your spirit so I could follow you the rest of my life. My life is not my own. Today I give it to you. Thank you for new life. Now you have mine. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.